grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If a movie is about someone who is in high school, and this movie wants to make clear that this is a difficult and judgmental place for our protagonist, where is that going to be made clear? And you might say just about anywhere, fair enough. But one particular place that comes to mind would be the cafeteria. Maybe this movie is a bit exaggerated, and everyone segregates themselves into their little groups, the jocks and the nerds and the mean girls and so on. And our protagonist finally finds a place to sit, only for everyone else to sigh in disgust, take up their lunch and leave. Might be a little exaggerated, but that moment still resonates, doesn't it? Because we all know that feeling of being in an unfamiliar place, wondering if we'll be welcomed. Maybe it really was that lunch cafeteria where you're trying to find a place to sit and asking, where do I fit in? Maybe you were on the other side, and there was that one person who always made your skin crawl where you'd hope, please just sit somewhere else. Maybe, in general, you can think of a time in your life when you longed for friends, you longed to have somewhere to belong. What a meaningful thing it can be, say at a social gathering where you don't particularly know anyone, and someone offers you a seat at the table anyway. Today, in our gospel lesson, Jesus offers a seat at the table to sinners. Jesus eats with sinners and shows this kind of hospitality and love. That's at the core of what hospitality is, showing that acceptance to someone who needs it. And we also see how Jesus gives us the opportunity to show this same love to others. Now, I don't know about you, but speaking for myself, when I come across a text like this in Scripture, and I read a sentence that goes something like, Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, it doesn't really strike my ears anymore. I kind of just think, well, that's just something Jesus does, and I blow past it and keep reading. But for us to understand and appreciate what Jesus is doing here, I think it's worth our time to slow down and ask, why is this such a big deal? For one thing, hospitality is a huge part of Middle Eastern culture. And it has been for thousands of years because in the Middle East, it's hard to travel from one place to another. The sun beats down, it's hot outside, it can often be a rugged path forward, not much of a road, and everyone knows what it's like to be that person on the road just longing to get home. That's why in our first lesson, Abraham rushes to, so, to show such hospitality to three strangers, that he runs to have Sarah bake bread, that he runs to have a calf slaughtered for them. The feast is a recognition that 
Abraham knows what that's like to be on the road, to be longing for a little rest, a little food to keep going. But within that same culture of hospitality, sharing a meal is also incredibly significant as something intimate and close, that you would share a meal and that would mean this is the inner circle. These are your friends and family. And while the Middle East does have that culture of invite the stranger in because they need you, there's also a time to exclude. People you would keep out. People you would want nothing to do with and never eat with. And that's why it's such a big deal that Jesus would eat with tax collectors and sinners. For the Jews, they hated tax collectors because they were traitors and thieves. They ultimately served Rome, who had conquered their land. And when the tax collectors took those taxes, they took a little or a lot extra and lined their own pockets with it. They showed off their wealth and everyone knew where it came from. It's a little strange for us to come into their shoes. I think for us that, you know, no one would exactly be thrilled at the thought of having an IRS agent over for dinner, but I don't know that we would chase them out the door either. So let's take that little hypothetical, you have an IRS agent over for dinner, and change it a little bit. Let's say, hypothetically, and may God forbid it, World War III actually happens, and our nation is conquered by another power on the world stage. Now that tax agent works for the enemy, for a different country. And let's say he has a new fancy car that he drives around. And he bought it with money from your wallet, with your hard-earned dollar. And now he wants you to host him while you're struggling just to put food on the table. I think it would be charitable if you were never happy to see him again. If you would just be happy to end all interaction with him. That explains the kind of tension and anger that they had for tax collectors. You would not interact with a tax collector unless you had to. Unless at the point of a Roman spear, it was again that time where you would go to the booth and pay your dues. And a little extra. Or maybe a lot extra. And aside from that moment, you would never give him the time of day. You'd never bother. That's why it is so amazing that in the middle of the day, in broad daylight, Jesus walks up to the tax collector's booth and talks with one while he's working. But Jesus saw through all the reasons to ignore a tax collector. He's, instead, Jesus saw Matthew, a soul worth his time, a soul worth saving. More amazingly, all Jesus says to this tax collector that Matthew records is, follow me. 
And just like that, Matthew gets up, he leaves it all behind, and he follows Jesus. And we maybe wonder, had Matthew heard about Jesus? Did he witness a miracle? Was he there when Jesus was teaching? We don't know. We do know how Matthew responded, that Matthew had Jesus over for dinner. And to this dinner, Matthew brings the kind of company that he kept, and Jesus brings his disciples. Makes you wonder, how did that dinner go? I have to imagine that not every single one of Jesus' disciples was entirely on board with this dinner party. Was it a little tense? A little awkward? Who says the first word? Who, who knows what to say? Except for Jesus. Because Jesus always knows what to say. And Jesus is here at this dinner party because he cared about Matthew. Because he cared about those other souls. They mattered to him. While this is going on, the Pharisees take notice. They're watching. They're always watching. And they see a big red flag. This is a scandal. How can Jesus be eating with those kinds of people? And they even have a little scripture to back them up. Doesn't Psalm 1 say, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers? But we need to ask, was Jesus just hanging out with them? Did he tell them everything was all right? Maybe he sighed and said, oh, you are so understood, my tax collector friend. What you're doing is just fine. Did he say that to the prostitutes and the other low lives? No. That would not be love. In fact, that would be worse than the way that everyone else treated them because it would cover up their sins with a lie. Instead, Jesus offers sinners a seat at the table. He eats with sinners to show them his love, to show them his care, and to call them from their sinful ways into his spiritual family. We see that in the example of Matthew, that Matthew had repented and believed the good news that the kingdom of God was near. And now he was inviting his friends over so that these other sinners, just like himself, might receive the same mercy, not just from a teacher, not just from a rabbi or a prophet, but from the Messiah himself, from God's own Son. We see a Matthew who has been changed a Matthew who was once defined by his profession as a tax collector, work that made everyone hate him. Maybe even he hated himself. But now, the love of Jesus had changed him. Now he is Matthew the disciple, Matthew the child of God, 
Matthew the evangelist, who penned the words that I am preaching to you this morning, Saint Matthew. And it is this same love that changes everything that brings us together today. That the love of Jesus, shown to us so clearly by his death and the blood he poured out on the cross, by his resurrection, which assures us of our eternal life, that same love comes to us and fills our hearts and changes us. For Matthew, it was those words, follow me. For us, it may have happened at a font just like this one, where follow me sounded a little bit more like, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we have that same word of Jesus that has changed our lives and changed our status from sinner to saint, from enemy of God to dearly loved child of God. The amazing thing in the minds of the Jews back then would be this, that the thought was you would never let someone like a tax collector come to church because they would ruin it and stain it with their sin. But when Jesus comes and Jesus touches a sinner, when Jesus talks with a sinner, Jesus purifies that sinner and forgives him his sins and gives him his own righteousness. And Jesus does the same with our hearts. And he dwells in our hearts by faith. Jesus gives a seat at the table to sinners. And that includes sinners just like you and me. And Jesus does this in a special way this morning. That at the Lord's Supper, at this dinner, Jesus is himself the host and the food. And he invites you to his table, to his intimate inner circle, where he gives you his own body and blood that paid for your sins as proof, as pledge that your sins are forgiven, that you really are his child and that you belong in this inner circle. This seat at the table changes everything. This is who Jesus is. He eats with sinners. But, back to the Pharisees. Even though they didn't address Jesus directly, no, they go up to his disciples instead, Jesus still hears what they're saying, and he addresses them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the starting place of our own God-lived life, of our life of hospitality, of our repentance, that we must recognize our own sickness our own need for Jesus, our own sin. We do not come here 
because we see ourselves as morally superior people to all those out in the world, but because we recognize that we are all a bunch of sinners saved by Jesus who need His mercy and love every single day. We come to a God who offers salvation to sinners. And if you find that you are a sinner, then thanks be to God. Jesus only came to save sinners. This love of Jesus transforms our hearts and minds so that we no longer regard anyone in an earthly way, but we, in a sense, have Christ vision. I think of the hymn of St. Patrick. You've maybe heard of it. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ below me, but also Christ in the eye of everyone I meet, Christ in the mouth of everyone who says my name, and on it goes. That we recognize the seat at the table Jesus has given to us, that he's made his home in our hearts, and now with his love that transforms our lives, we have the opportunity to show this same kind of hospitality to others. But moved by the love of Jesus, I can set aside my pride, which would get in the way of showing kindness to someone because I would look down on them. I would think they're not worth my time, that I'm better than, better than them, even though I might never put it exactly in those words. But moved by the love of Jesus, I can set aside my fear. What am I going to say? How is it going to be understood? What if they think I'm dumb? Jesus called me his child. Jesus said, follow me. Baptism wasn't just a moment years ago. It's my identity now. So I can be secure that even if a literal door is slammed in my face, that changes nothing. Jesus is still in my heart. Jesus still loves me. And so now, we have every reason to show a love of hospitality to others. Maybe it's something as simple as sitting down with someone during Bible study who you don't know and getting to know them. Maybe it's as grand as talking to that person, that coworker or family member who is far from Christ Maybe you just invite them out to lunch or dinner. I think of an example I was once told by a professor. There was a young pastor who at the time had recently graduated and become a pastor. And he gets into his new apartment and he settles in for the first few months. And then a gay couple moves in just a couple doors down. And he wonders, what do I do? How do I talk to them? Are they going to hate me if I try to evangelize? Not knowing what to do, he decided to welcome them by buying them a bottle of wine and saying, hey, I'm glad you're here. There wasn't really much interaction with that, but some months passed, and it came out that the couple split apart because one had been physically beating and abusing the other. And now that broken man came to this young pastor because he didn't know where else to go. And that foot in the door opened a conversation. 
Now thanks be to God, that man is a child of God, and his soul has been saved by Christ. That you don't know the impact of the hospitality you show. And let me also say this, again, it may very well be that you show this same kind of hospitality. Maybe you do the exact same thing. Might just end up with a door slammed in your face. It is no less a good work that gives glory to God and shows the love of Christ which dwells in your heart because it didn't work out in the ideal way. Love is motivated by what Christ has done for us, not by the result of what we do, though we certainly hope for the salvation of many. When you see those opportunities in your life, those people God puts on your path, I invite you to keep your eyes open and your ears alert to their needs and to their hurt. Because you do not know why God may have placed that person in your path. And I invite you to remember Matthew, how he was shown a seat at the table. And think about the opportunity he had if you could introduce someone to Jesus face to face so that that person could talk to Jesus, what would stop you from doing it? It's true. Jesus deals with us a little differently today through word and sacrament. But it is no less the voice of Jesus that is speaking to you, that is still powerful to save whether it was follow me or baptism or the word that you share. And remember the Savior who gave you a seat at the table. Now I invite you to give others that same seat at the table so that we may all rejoice together in heaven, together with our Savior Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, amen.